0: Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and you're listening to the Lakeside Church Weekly Message Podcast. This is where we broadcast our Sunday morning teaching, so if you missed it or want to hear it again, you're in the right place. Every week, we try to teach God's Word in a way that is real, so that it becomes alive to you as you hear it. If this message speaks to you in any way, let us know by clicking on our website's contact page at lakesidelife.org, where you can find out more about the church, watch some videos, and even give online. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. I'm going to try to follow up uh <coughs> with today's message on some of the themes that George touched on last week it's in from the life of Abram and um I was really uh impacted and and uh, last week um because uh God's been really just doing some things in my life where he's just challenging me that uh you know um Am I really sacrificing everything for him? And uh, so this week will be no different. And uh, uh, the, George last week talked about, he was speaking from Genesis 12. We started to get introduced to a guy named Abram, and uh, he was called um, to a land, uh, to the land of Canaan. And um, it was a, a risky thing. He left, uh, George said, security. Identity and community uh, really gave up everything stable in his life uh, to go pursue um, the call of God, and you know, I think all of us would at some point I think we'd like to say that we're the type of people that would leave everything behind and follow god and for me i don't know but you but for me, when that started to change was um I guess after I was married, I was still kind of a risk taker. But once you start having kids, you start thinking about stability and security and things like that. Right, Taylors? I mean, this is what we think about when we have kids. And uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, th- that's when all of a sudden it can be a challenge for us living here in Syracuse, the suburbs of, you know, uh, Syracuse, Utah, and, and the uh, surrounding regions where everything is given to us. Our water is, you know, the pipes are already in place and we don't have to worry about that. Somebody comes in and hooks them in before we move into the house, you know, and uh, uh, all our food is just a mile down the way uh, at Walmart or a mile this way at Walmart or a mile, actually, three miles that way at Walmart. You know, I mean, it's so easy and then there's Smith's, right? And then other places or just at your local farmer's market, which I hope you all uh, tribute sometimes. So anyway, uh, you know, we uh, we... It's just so comfortable, and a um, couple things there is just number one. I think that's why it's incumbent upon us to support the ministries of people um, overseas, and the church in America needs to lead the way that way, right? And and we don't get a pass just because we're in Utah and the evangelical population is so low here in Utah. We're still affluent compared to the rest of the world, and we need to support, support these ministries. And uh, one way we're going to do that this month, of course, is Samaritan's Purse. Uh, and, uh, but I still believe this, that no matter where God has you, whatever you do, God has um, a purpose for your life that is to accomplish the mission that he's engaged in. And God is engaged in a mission here in Syracuse. And it's, uh, it's up to us, I think we're going to find out, to step out in faith and meet God where he's already working and say, here am I. Send me. Right here, wherever I am. And so I hope that that's how you're uh, uh, challenged uh, this morning as we get into this. Uh, let's read from Genesis 15. I'll have it up on the screen. It's in your worship guide. And uh, we'll read all the way through this. <coughs> and then we'll get to talking about it. Uh, chapter, or, or chapter 15 and verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, Your very great reward but Abram said sovereign Lord what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus and Abram said you have given me no children so a servant in my household will be my heir Then the word of the Lord came to him this man will not be your heir but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer." A goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they, have, they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not, reached, not yet reached its full measure. Um, <clears throat> last week, when we were talking about getting into uh, um, the life of Abram, uh, Becky Joe said uh, we should do that song, uh, Canaan Bound. And so uh, I'm going to start out with that one because I love that song, and uh, uh, I don't get to play anymore. So uh, I'm going to borrow Becky Joe's guitar, which I think was a little bit out of tune, uh, at least for my tuning. And so bear with me. I'm going to try to do this. We're good on this one, Adam, right? He left. He forgot. So just just punch the button on Becky Joe's guitar, Mark. Man, look at you, man. Slides and sound, man. Yes, this song is something like this.
1: Sarah, take me by my arms. Tomorrow we are and bound. Where westward sails the golden sun. And Hebron's hills are amber crown So bid your troubled heart be still The grass they say is soft and green The trees are tall and honey-filled So Sarah, come and walk with me Like the stars across the heavens flung Like water in the desert sprung Like the grains of sand are many suns O Sarah, fair and barren one Come to Cain I trembled at the voice of God, a voice of love and thunder deep. With love He means to save us all, and love has chosen you and me. Long as. For a thousand years our tale be sung How faith compelled and bore us on And barren Sarah bore a son Come to Canaan,
0: come Anyway, so there's that song. Uh, That's a song um, about Abram's life. And it's just a little folk song about, it just seemed like this is life. This is like, this is what we do. We follow God, and wherever we go, it's just, just saying to his wife, you know, let's go. Let's go into this adventure. And um hope that's what it felt like for you when you stepped out on an adventure with your wife, right? And so snuggle up to her a bit, and let's talk about this passage, okay? So uh, this first thing I want to recognize from this passage, when God, you know, here we are in Genesis 15, There's some things that have happened in Abram's life already. We're going to talk about them in a few minutes. But this is an important part because he's getting on in years. He's been following God and doing the things God has said, um, and yet God is not done with him yet. You know, he's later on in life, and he's realizing that I'm not resting on my laurels. I haven't passed on the work along with the faith to other people. God has something for me to do. In verse 6 in Genesis 15... Says that Abraham believed, or Abram believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. I want to start out by saying this, and this is filling the blank in your guide. Faith is more important than living right. Um, I know that sounds weird, but it's in the passage, and uh, we're going to get to living right here in a minute. But uh, the journey with God is not about doing the right things. It's about believing God, not believing in God, okay? Um, believing in God is what happens when we realize what God has done for us and, and, and we're saved by our faith in what He's done for us. But then as a Christian, you are called to have faith that God is who He says He is. You're called to believe Him, not just believe in Him and His work for you, but rather to believe in the face of all the worldly wisdom that is telling you this is not a wise choice to give all and to follow him. And that's what Abram was uh, faced with. Now, if you can relate to Abram for a minute, why does Abram say, you know, hey, I don't have a son and my descendant is going to be Eleazar of Damascus and he's talking about his servants. Abram, by now, is a great patriarch. He is in charge of a great community. And any decisions that he makes in his life now, uh, concerning um, uh, his uh, wealth and his territory and everything, all the people around him, they affect everybody uh, in that community because everybody is sort of living off of his wealth. And he's recognizing that and he's wanting to make sure that he passes it on to the right person. So he has godly intentions to begin with. He wants to make sure that he can raise up the guy who will take over his possessions because that will benefit everybody. So he really has godly intentions, but he doesn't have a son. And uh, so he, I really don't think Abram's complaining to God when when God says here um, uh, when when God says here in verse one, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and your very great reward, Abram. Don't view this as your child talking back to you. But Abram says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? As a reward, right? Since I'm childless and the one who inherit my state is this other thing. What Abram, what I think Abram's saying there is that there's nothing I want more than that. I love that. I think about Solomon. The guy who was identified as the most wise man to ever live. He was told he could have anything he wanted and he asked for wisdom. You know, that that kind of showed his heart. Abram here is a man of great wealth and he said, I'll give you anything you want. He could have asked for the kingdoms that surrounded him and things like this, but what did he want? Offspring. So that the faith that he possessed, he could pass on for generations. He wanted to be part of something greater than himself. And so that's how the call of God starts on your life, is by wanting to be part of something that is greater than yourself. And God, when he sees a heart like that, call you to greatness, will call you to do something great for him. Now, uh, I say faith is more important than living right, but secondly, faith is demonstrated by living right, okay? True faith is demonstrated in our actions. Um, by that, that uh, God has, but of what he does is he announces a challenge that he's going to do all the work for, okay? He's gonna, he's gonna make the miracles happen, okay? And, and he has every intention of doing that. But it's it's like he announces this challenge to us, and God has a habit of waiting for us to take a first step toward it because it's blind. He doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't show us how he's going to take us there to begin with because that wouldn't require faith at all. Faith is the ev- evidence of things not seen. right? our faith in our actions but specifically different kinds of actions not just actions of of uh you know uh, following the 10 commandments we're talking about actions that are steps of faith trusting that god is who he says he is and 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 trusting that if we will step out to where he already is though we sometimes can't see him, we just know from his word and what we know of God. We know he's there, but he oftentimes, this is part of the reason why God is an invisible God is because he wants us to take a step of faith and meet him there. And so uh, it's demonstrated in our actions and God blesses faith in action. Now, if you want to see that in the passage we're reading, that's why uh, the passage today was supposed to skip uh, verses 7 through um, uh, 11. And... um, Uh, because there's just some weird um, seventh grade biology happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, why in the world is he cutting these things in half and things like this? I'm not going to get into the um, doctrines that are going in there and and kind of the process of how They would make sacrifices and things like this Just know this That uh, they, they did have some, some Systematic um, uh, Systems of worship In place at the time And they offered sacrifices of certain animals um, This would mirror later uh, The Lamb of God being sacrificed A lot of these uh, things But the bottom line is That when God um, uh, Gives Abram a challenge he, uh, he just goes with what he knows How to do and and he just obeys and does what, what he knows God has commanded him. So in the midst of him being maybe depressed over being so old and his wife's old uh, and she can't have kids anymore and it's kind of like, I know you're telling me this, God, but I mean, biology is biology and the human race too and my wife, nobody her age has kids anymore. Um, and uh, so what do I do? And what does Abram do? Well... He uh, So he gets this ridiculous message from God. I'm going to give you offspring even at your old age. And he continues with his systems of worship. And it's a sign that he be- still believes in God. And he's stepping out on faith and saying, I'm just going to walk with you through this. And that's why he ends up doing these things. Okay? And so when it comes to our lives, uh, we need to recognize that uh, <clears throat> whatever God's calling us to, um, he's not going to just show us exactly what, how he's going to accomplish it. Uh, what he's, how he's going to accomplish it begins with a heart that is motivated by the kingdom values that God has and a heart that is brave enough to step out in faith and meet God uh, where he is. And then the third thing is uh, simply this, is that faith is demonstrated over time. And this is where I'll spend a little more time this morning. It's against our nature Especially in our culture, um, it's becoming increasingly more like this to expect the greater reward to work for something far off. you know it's against our nature to do that um, I think of like just even investing and things like that, preparing for retirement and things like that if we didn't have you know, companies, for a lot of us, if we didn't have companies or the government agencies or whatever helping us out there by motivating us, by matching things, or by automatically putting stuff into retirement and was just incumbent upon us out of our take-home pay to invest some for, to prepare for retirement, um, I think that many of us would uh, be, meet, be meeting retirement uh, when it happens very unprepared, right? Because uh, we're trying to build our best life now, And I don't think it's in our nature anymore to prepare for a life in the future. Um, Part of that may be some good because maybe part of it is because we realize that life is short and you're not guaranteed tomorrow and so we have that kind of spirit about things. But in the end, um, the call of God is to be storing up treasures in heaven, right? And so uh, where we invest our time here on earth, We recognize that time is short, but that means that I only have this window of time not to live it up because I'm planning for eternity in heaven. I only have this time to store up treasures in heaven. kind of goes against our nature to work for things where we expect the greater reward. But I want to show you some things here that Abram, here's the thing, Abram, here he is at the end of his life and he has still not been given the one thing he desires yet, and that is this offspring. Well, George was in chapter 12 last week and he started talking about Abram starting out, but you know, in chapters 13 and 14, a lot of stuff happened. Um, and I'll briefly touch on it so you understand that Abram's been living for God and been um, doing, stepping out in faith for a while now. Okay, let me, let me explain some of these things. So, so in Genesis 13, this is where Abram, part of Abram's descendant, there's a guy named Lot, And Lot is Abram's nephew, okay? And Lot um, also has himself quite a great big spread. And what happens with with Lot in chapter 13, what you're going to find out is Abram realizes that the land is, you know, whether it's not fruitful enough or not big enough or whatever to support both their families and for both of them to flourish an equal amount. And perhaps Abram was really looking at the greater reward here, that we could just decide to join forces um, and would be a certain size, but really we have an opportunity here to to kind of uh, establish, um, uh, I guess, a lineage of faith um, that could be greater if we would divide and conquer, okay? And so what we find in Genesis chapter 13 is this. So Abram said to Lot, I think it'll be up on screen here. Yep. Let us not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And so they decide to have this um, uh, sort of come to Jesus meeting where they say, hey, you know, this is probably what's best. I mean, we love being together, but this is probably what's best um, for us. It kind of mirrors if you're, you know, into you know, seeing some cross um, references in the Bible kind of mirrors a parting between Paul and Barnabas. They had a disagreement about the type of ministry they would get into in the New Testament. And so they kind of decided to divide and conquer. But more importantly here, I notice some actions of Abram where he steps out on faith. He believes so much that this is the call of God. That he believes that if he steps out in faith here, that God will bless him. And the reason I see that is because Abram's the elder one here, okay? So it would, he would technically kind of have, especially in that society, should be his choice first. And he defers to Lot because he believes that so much that it's the call of God for them to, to spread out, that no matter where he ends up being, God will bless him for generations. So he defers to Lot and lets him choose. And, and Lot ends up picking the place that he felt would be more fruitful. And uh, Abram settles in Canaan there. And um, Lot ends up pitching his tents on the uh, outskirts of the city of Sodom and um, where he felt like he would probably have the best, I'm, I'm assuming he felt like he would have the best chance at commerce and things like that because there's a city there to support his kind of economy that he's, maybe he's growing ca- uh, raising cattle and things like this. And so that's where he decides to, uh, to do it. Then we find um, in chapter 14, there's this big... Um, you ever see the... Hobbit, the battle of five, five armies. Well, this is the battle of, well, it's two armies, but it's nine kingdoms, okay? There's, there's five kings who um, get together and fight a war against four kings. And uh, Lot ends up on the uh, losing side, um, kind of uh, with the king of Sodom and, and th- those guys. And him and his family and all of his descendants and his servants and everything are carried away. And uh, a messenger ends up coming to Abram. And tells him about this. And so Abram uh, gathers up all his able-bodied guys and pursues these guys and defeats them and brings Lot back um, to uh, his, uh, his uh, uh, place where he was settled there. So while he's coming back, so again, here's Abram and he's, and he, when Abram did this, he only had, I think the number was 318 men. I think you find that in, in, in chapter 14. So you have Lot trusting God by deferring to, or Abram trusting God by deferring to Lot and trusting God's going to bless them there. Now you have Abram realizing that, you know what, God wants me to protect uh, Lot, and so I'm going to step out. I've only got this number of men, but I'm going to step out, and they have this great victory. He gets a good idea where he surrounds the enemy. He splits them up, and they surround the enemy and are able to catch him off guard. And they come back and restore Lot to where he is. And on his way back uh, from the battle, you know, he's got to be feeling pretty good about himself, and he ends up meeting um on the way back, the king of uh, Salem, uh, Mel, uh, Melchizedek, who was also a high priest. And he meets the king of Sodom at the same time. And he decides to sit down with them. And uh, I'll just read from chapter 14 here in 17 through 20. to give you some reference. After Abram returned from defeating, wow, look at that name. 50 cent Bible word right there. Kidar Laomer. Kidor. Kidor Laomer. Yes? Phonetically, that's how it's seeing to me. And the kings allied with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. Uh, then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High who delivers your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Uh, by the way, this is before Moses. So this is before the Mosaic Law. This is before the Ten Commandments were giving, given, right? And uh, we see echoes of what would later be called the tithe and things like this, and the whole point of the tithe was acknowledging the tithe was by the way, uh, where you gave the first ten percent of your of your uh, earnings and your crops and whatever it is, uh, your economy um, uh, went to uh, the priests um, in the old testament and uh, so here we have uh, the, the whole point of that by the way, was to show that we understood the source of where it came from. We're recognizing that everything I have, even the paycheck that I technically for, I was given the ability to even draw breath from God himself. And so therefore, everything I have belongs to God. And by giving from the, what they called the first fruits of this, I was honoring God and saying, this is my source, this is who he is. Well, Abram does this before that ever became a law. And he recognizes um, uh, that Melchizedek is a priest of God, and, and that's where um, it went at the time. And he gives him a tenth of everything. The priest at the time then was God's agent on earth. This was God's, um, the way that God would, um, I guess, uh, accomplish um some of uh, what he, how he would commune with man um, and uh, the work that uh, God would do between man and him was accomplished through priests. Um, today, in the New Testament times that we live in, Peter says that every believer's a, a priest. We're all, we're all part of this royal priesthood. We have direct access to God. So God's agent in the world today is the church. And that's why um, when we give to God, we end up giving to a local church. That helped me, by the way, this week, just understanding that, that why is it that when I give to God, I give to a local church? Well, it always was that whatever God's earthly agent, and in this day and age, God's earthly agent is the church. That's his hands and feet. That's how he accomplishes his mission in the world is through the church. And so we end up giving, each one of us, to our local church um, to recognize that everything I have comes from God. And uh, this is where God is working. And, uh, um, and so it's really important, by the way, that you go to a church where you just really believe in what they're doing. Because um, everything you have comes from God. And while we preach free grace giving here at Lakeside, um, uh, I would challenge you if you feel free that you don't have to participate uh, in, in sacrifice because that only hurts you. Uh, when you don't participate in, 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 in that because you're not truly recognizing where your things come from. And so uh, uh, it's important that we find a church that we go to uh, where we can really believe that God is at work because that's what, we're, what, what we give to is God's agent here on earth. But the more important thing for Abram is that even at the highest height of uh, his victories, when he was really on top, he was acknowledging that God was the source so Abram has been living a life from Genesis 12, where God, uh, 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 George talked about last week, through Genesis 13, when uh, he divided, you know, him and Lot, and 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 went to a place that was a risky move for him, stepping out in faith. In Genesis 14, when uh, he he goes defeats this army and then recognizes uh, where the source truly was. He was offered a share of the plunder from these other kings, and he says, "I don't need anything else." You know, God has. Richly rewarded me. And we come to Genesis 15. And uh, God um, says, I am your reward. And Abram says, the only reward I want from you is offspring. Not for himself, but so that. Why? Because he's saying, if I don't have an offspring, then everything I have will be passed on to a servant, the next highest-ranking servant, and he is not directly raising that one. He wants to directly raise his successor so that he can pass on his faith and his values to the successor. Even at the end of his life, when he served God with abandon all his life, all he's concerned about is the future. All he's concerned about is the kingdom because he realizes that it will outlive him. And in the end of this passage... Um, in those last few verses, you can read in your guide there, um, God promises him that he will go to his ancestors in peace. He promises him that uh, he will have an offspring. And it's incumbent upon Abram now, at the end of all things, when he probably has been praying for this for a long, long time, it's incumbent upon him to have faith that God will do these things. So I'm challenged by this today and uh i uh there's a great many things that I want to believe God for this morning and um uh, at the, i don 't ever want to i don 't ever want to be part of a story where I tell you that God will deliver and he doesn't and so sometimes I think I too often um kind of give God an out you know uh when it comes to um if you really want to trust god uh for something in your life but as i've read through this i've just kind of realized the importance of us having faith experiences and i don't think we do that enough and that's on me like i don't challenge us enough to do that because i don't challenge myself and i think this is where god's bringing me is to say um you know you need to challenge or you need to step out on faith more with god and whether that's taking more risks. And I'm still, I'll be honest, I know that a lot of this application I'm trying to preach about here seems like, well, what are you specifically saying? For once, I don't have like the specific application because I'm really wondering what it is that God is asking me to step out on. But some of you guys do know. Some of you guys have felt a yearning in your heart for a while um, that you're wondering if God wants to challenge you to step out on faith in. And it seems ridiculous, whatever it might be. And uh, I want to encourage you that the people who received that kind of reward and the people who got to experience that life of faith are pe- in the Bible are people like Abraham, Abram, who not only believed in God, but believed God um, that he would uh, be there when they stepped out in faith. And maybe what God wants you to do this morning is just to trust him and take the first step blindly. Not waiting for him. You know how we talk about God opening doors? Right? And uh, maybe we need to redefine what an open door looks like. Uh, I wonder if the open door that God is talking about um, is into a dark room. (laughs) You know? It's like the door is open, but you can't really see what's in there. You know what I'm saying? And I think we define open door as in I open it up, there's everything. All I gotta do is walk through and I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> I bring up this one story just to illustrate, I think, the kind of faith that it would take. I've told this story before, but maybe not in a couple of years, so it'll be fresh for some of you. But you know, when I was in Brigham, um, there was this little old lady um, named Ray Riser who ran the food pantry in Brigham, and i in Brigham City. I was there as a youth pastor in 2001 and 2002, and so she went to my church and uh, Ray was somebody who grew up, um, uh, you know, without God, and um, her husband was very far from God, and so here she was, she's well into retirement age, this little old lady running this food pantry, and her help was, uh, we actually had a jail up there at Brigham, and so her help, her help was the convicts, and they'd be in their orange suits, you know, And I'd come in on a Saturday, and here's this lady, and these big gruff guys. And I remember stocking shells with them and and they talking about how, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Ray, she never shuts up about Jesus, does she? Just kind of, you know. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I, that was so funny to me, this you know, that she'd be all over the, these big guys about that kind of stuff. Um, she loved Jesus. But Ray had something. She had been a Christian for 35 years and her husband wasn't and she had prayed for her husband for 35 years to come to Christ. And she's serving God. You know what I mean? She's running for the needy, a food pantry and and uh what did Jesus or James say true religion was? Caring for orphans and widows. I think it's James who says that. And and uh and she's ministering to convicts. And um she's doing what God wants, you know? And uh, she has this great ministry. And uh I still remember uh, I was I got to preach at Christmas one year and I did a whole play on there like a music play and I got to preach and everything. She had gotten her husband Vaughn to come out to that play and he heard me speak and he just had this bond with me and 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 long story short like we ended up talking after and he said you know I'll come anytime Matt's preaching and stuff and I thought you know well maybe God's going to lead me to lead bond to Christ or something but it didn't happen. I didn't like uh, I wish it would have. Uh it just never happened. Um he was very he he uh I think he was burned early on by church folks. You ever had that happen to you? Like God's okay but his people sometimes are jerks. You know what I'm saying? And that was that was kind of what this guy went through. And uh a year after I left in 2003 I went up there for a picnic, a uh, Sunday school picnic. And, uh, you know, uh, Vaughn was there at the picnic because sometimes he'd show up for those events. He'd just never come to actual church. And uh, and Ray, uh, w- we started talking and Ray said, did you see this? And he had a cross around his neck. And I said, what happened? And uh, Vaughn explained that he was um, up in Idaho and he was at a CMA, Christian Motorcyclists Association rally. He Fell into this group. He loved to ride bikes, right and uh, motorbikes, and he was with the group, and they ended up um, they ended up together and went to this didn't plan on it, but he ended up in this crowd that went to the CMA rally, and he gave his heart to Christ in this amazing sort of miracle, and it was pouring rain. He drove nine hours home in pouring rain on his bike to tell Ray came in at like four in the morning just to tell Ray what had happened. And uh, he handed me a card that said, Hi, I'm Von Reiser. I'm a minister in the Christian Motorcyclist Association or whatever. And he now, um, he bought Ray a bike and bought her the leather chaps. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And the two of them now, she was the one with the ministry, right? But later on in life, God delivered a promise to her where she follows around her husband's ministry now and they serve together. And uh, I still remember that story because we don't celebrate those stories enough. And, and i tell you what Ray has that I don't have. I don't know that I would, you know, have been able to trust God for that long. But what, like, you know, like the waiting sometimes, and there's different reasons why God calls us to wait. It's not because she wasn't godly enough. It wasn't because she hadn't demonstrated her faith. It could be a number of reasons, but God's purposes we never understand. What she never lost sight of is that God is God and that uh, he alone had the power to save um, her husband and uh, she believed that he would. And that's just, uh, so that's the kind of experience that I wish I had personally to tell you and that's why I tell it about other people. But don't you wish it was your story too? Right. Don't we wish that was. So whatever you're struggling with today, not even struggling with whatever you feel, just that little thing in your heart today. Um, I want to ask you, do you think that God is asking you to st- take a first step that's a blind toward where he is? If God has been putting on your heart for a while. And, it, you know, maybe a stirring in your heart, I, I wish I could work with these kind of people or I I wish I could have more of an effect here or whatever it might be. Um, Is there a step you could take this week and say, God, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to trust that you're there. And I want to encourage you to walk through some doors that are dark on the other side this week and to take that first step and see if God doesn't meet you there. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Lakeside Podcast. If you have any questions at all about the message, if you have any struggles you're going through, or if you simply want to respond to what you've heard, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website at lakesidelife.org and click on the contact page to let us know what's on your heart. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.